welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Chance, and my guest today is Chris Gillibo. He is the editor, founder, author of The Art of Nonconformity, uh, and we're going to talk about his newest book uh, today called The $100 Startup. Reinvent the way you make a living, do what you love, and create a new future. So, Chris, thanks for joining me. Hey, John. Thanks for having me back, man. So um, one of the things that my listeners may not know about you is that you have set a goal to visit every country in the world um, by about this time next year, I think, is your deadline. And what do you have, 10 to go? Uh, that is correct. Next year, and I actually have eight to go now. Eight so, to go, uh, wow. Eight countries left out of 193. Uh, so I'm in the final stretch. Now, are a couple of those you're going to have to go with, like, diplomats and touch your toe on the border and run? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've been uh, – it's funny. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, there's not there's not many countries that are truly unsafe like that. I mean, there are a couple of them. When I went to Somalia recently, that was a little bit touch and go. But most places are totally fine and totally welcoming and hospitable. So in some cases, it's more of a question of how to get the right visa to go there. Uh, or how to coordinate the flights to go there because there's only like one or two flights a week, you know, to certain islands or certain African countries. But uh, you know, you know, so far so good. It's been an incredible journey and uh, by far, you know, much more positive experience than negative. Yeah. Well, by this point, I'm certain you know what to wear too, and that helps. <laughs> I pretty much wear the same clothes uh, everywhere I go, you know, regardless of season. So that may be smart or may not be, but for me, it's just easy. Well, now um, this. Christmas. I get to take my kind of. I, I must admit, I'm not a world traveler. I get, I've I've gotten to go speak in a couple other countries, which has been really cool. But uh, my wife yeah. and I are going to go to the Galapagos Islands, so I don't think it gets much more exotic than that. At least not for me. <laughs> no, that's great. I actually haven't been to Galapagos. I've been to Ecuador, but uh, not to those islands. So yeah, and, and that's a me. part of that. That's owned by Ecuador. Or that's considered part of the Correct. country of Ecuador, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So. In your new book, The $100 Startup, if uh, we, we should probably talk about the, the reason we came yeah. here, right? Um, sure. You, one of the things I think is interesting, as a, particularly as a fellow author, is that uh, you really did some deep research on this. Uh, I'm reading well, from your, your site, and you, you identified or had help identifying 1,500 individuals who had built a business earning $50,000 or more from a modest investment in, as the book suggests, $100 or less. So right. uh, what was that process like? It was a pretty comprehensive uh, process, and the whole goal is to create something that's data-driven because, uh, you know, as you're familiar, like there's a lot of, you know, business books that come out that, that are, are somewhat general, and it's not to say that they're not helpful, um, but I wanted to, you know, provide a message that went a little bit beyond just, you know, go for it, you know, start something. Uh, and so this book is more like, okay, if you're ready to go for it, then here's what you do. You know, here's the next steps, and here are all these checklists and data. And it's all based off of the, you know, the stories of people who've done it before. So uh, we began by casting the nets, you know, pretty widely, um, just going out and saying we're, we're interested in talking with people who are unconventional entrepreneurs, maybe unexpected entrepreneurs, um, people who started a business perhaps after getting laid off or fired from a job, or people who are just, you know, trying to, make their way, um, you know, newly employed or new to the job market, as well as people who had retired. They were just looking, like, for a very broad range of people, and they had to all be willing to um, share details about their finances. They had to talk about how much money they make, how much it costs to start the business, you know, as well as all the successes and failures along the way. So 
I really wanted to get something really comprehensive. So we started with the 1500 and then just kind of kept narrowing down until we came to about 70 stories that comprise, you know, the majority of the book. And so the whole goal of the book is to share those stories, again, as specific as possible and in a way that creates a blueprint that other people can follow. Well, and, and in your sort of decision of your final cut, I mean, were you looking for certain industries, certain approaches? I mean, or not, not like a specific one, but kind of representative of, you know, so many service, so many product, that sure. kind of stuff? Sure. Um, you know, so on this part, there was, there was some specificity to it, and then I, I also have some admitted bias to it as well. So the specificity, you know, I, I definitely wanted to make sure that there were, you know, businesses that started without spending a lot of money, without much capital investment at all. Um, I wanted them to make, as you said, at least $50,000 a year. And a lot of them make a lot more than that, but I just chose 50000 as the average U.S. income. Uh, I wanted to feature businesses that required no special skills to start, uh, because one of the main objections to starting a business is, well, I don't know what to do, or I, you know, I don't have a business degree, or something like that. Um, so I tried to find things, you know, that, that anyone could do, or at least, you know, based on skills that someone already has, um, those kind of things. And then, I, you know, that brings me down to like two to three hundred. And then I just admittedly start looking for stories that I find, you know, inspirational or interesting or stories that I feel like, you know, there, that there's something, that, you know, something there that could be apl- applied uh, in a broader case. And so from there, I also am interested in diversity. I'm interested in geographic diversity. We have lots of stories from around the world in different parts of the U.S., uh, people from all walks of life, different ages. You know, men and women, um, people who had families that they were, you know, responsible for, as well as single people. So, just trying to create, a, you know, a whole broad range of, of stories. So, um, I read somewhere, and I don't think it was on your site, but it may have been, <laughs> um, a, a comparison of kind of what you're talking about. This anybody can do it. Reinvent the way you make a living. Uh, a yeah. little bit of a comparison to the Four Hour Work Week and, and Tim Ferriss's uh, success. How do, um, how would you say? You can flat out say that's BS, or you could <laughs> you could say, well, no, yeah. here's how our approach is different. I was curious what your take on that is. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know if I have so much of a take. Uh, you know, I guess I'm kind of interested in this book standing on its own. And, of course, you know, Tim has been very successful. He's sold a lot of books, and he's helped a lot of people, and that's, that's great. Um, you know, hopefully this book will do the same, maybe in a different way. I guess, uh, you know, we, we each write from our, like all of us, not just him and me, but uh, you and everybody else, we all share from our own experiences. And, uh and part of my experience comes from comes from the travel background of you know going to every country. It comes from uh, spending a few years in West Africa as a volunteer. Like I learned a lot through that process, and uh, and then in talking with all of these unconventional entrepreneurs all over the world. So uh, there's certainly you know lots of things to be learned from from Tim's books or from other books, but hopefully you know from the hundred dollar startup as well. Well, I mean, would you go as far as to say kind of this is I mean. I get this from the book that it's almost like your sort of personal mission to to say, hey, look, anybody can do this. I think so. Yeah, I think anyone who wants to do this, you know, and and not everyone wants to have a business, not everyone wants to to do that, but uh, presumably most of your listeners do, um, you know, or they wouldn't have downloaded the podcast. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people want to do something, want to create more freedom for themselves, right? Whether they want to actually be completely self-employed or not, I think almost everyone wants more freedom for themselves in some way or fashion, but not everyone knows, you know, how to go about achieving that, you know, or what, uh, what the next steps are. And so, again, it's my goal to maybe make that a little bit more specific and say, okay, you know, here's, here's what you can do. 
So I want to, I'm going to pull a couple of the concepts that really struck me, uh, I, either because I hadn't thought of them or because I totally agree with them already, um, uh-huh. and, and kind of throw those out. And then, you know, feel free to mix in any of the, maybe the, the case studies that are so, you know, central to this book and any of these ideas, or, or we can even finish up with me kind of throwing the, okay, tell me about your three favorites or something. But, sure. um, there's one that I love and, and you, you know, I think I, I think my notes say here, the magic formula, uh, which is uh, passion plus usefulness equals success. And I I really love that one because I run into all kinds of people, and I'm sure you have too, that, you know, boy, they're they're brimming with passion. (laughs) Right, right. But, you know, it's not anything somebody wants to pay for (laughs) necessarily. And and I think so. So talk to me about uh, kind of how that fits into this. Right, exactly. So that's like the situation you just described is problematic. Um, the other situation that's problematic is to say, well, you shouldn't follow your passion at all because, you know, what you do, what I do, what a lot of people in the book, a lot of people, what they do, they are doing something they're very excited about and passionate about. The difference is they found a way to connect that to something that's valuable and desirable in the marketplace, you know, something that really makes a difference in someone's life. You know, that's, that's what value is. You know, we always use this phrase like value, add value, but, you know, what does value really mean? I mean, I think value means helping people. So... You know, essentially the concept that I talk about there, passion plus skill or usefulness, you know, equals success. Um, it, it, it's that concept of merging your passion or your skill with something that makes a difference in the world. So the example that I use is uh, I say, like, you know, I can be really passionate about eating pizza. And uh, I used to be really passionate about playing video games. But, you know, no one was ever going to pay me to do that, right? Uh, fortunately, there's lots of other things I'm passionate about that I, you know, was able to, to connect to something that's valuable. So it's like this, you know, teachable and valuable curve is this convergence between what you love, what other people value. I mean, one way or another, I think every successful entrepreneur finds that convergence. So the sooner you can work toward that, in my opinion, the better. Yeah, and, and I think that that, um, you know, I'd say this all the time. I mean, owning a small business, building, you know, going from a $100 investment to, to even – the, the modest end of $50,000 is a lot of work. Um, and yeah, so, so if it's not something that you on your really worst day go, well, at least I enjoy, you know, at least I enjoy the vision for what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, at least, yeah exactly. Hopefully you enjoy, hopefully you had a good day. Hopefully maybe you helped someone a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, that's my definition of a good day. It's like, did I help someone in a small way? Did I actually make something or create something as opposed to just respond to something? If I can do those two things every day, then I'm good. You um, spend a fair amount of time, and I, I believe this fully, uh, that the companies that really succeed understand what they, and I'll put air quotes around, what they really sell or what the customer really buys. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not, you know, they don't probably, some cases they don't start a business thinking that, but they ultimately come to that, hey, what the reason people really connect with us is this difference or what they right. get uh, out of this. And so talk about maybe some of the companies that you think really, I don't know, we have all kinds of management or uh, consultant lingo like value propositions, but, you know, how, what, what is it that really uh, – uh, some of those stories in here of, of companies that really connect with, with what people want? Yeah. Um, I think ultimately what people want is they want to be happy in different ways. They want, they want something added to their life that's positive or they want something reduced from their life that's negative. So they want less stress. They want less debt, less hassle, and they want – more happiness, more free time, more money, all those kind of things. And so, you know, most of the successful businesses, at least the ones that I talked to, they, they found a way to really focus on happiness. They may not use that word like oh, we're in the business of happiness, but, but ultimately that's, that's what they're doing. And so uh, um, I always ask people, 
you know, what, what does your business do? Like, how does your business help people? And I ask these very broad questions, and I'm curious to see the responses. And some people will just give very descriptive responses, which is fine, but then other people really understand, like, is the, the core need that their business meets. And so I talked with uh, Barbara and John in, in California, and they, they own this ranch. Uh, it's a working ranch. Um, it's called the B6 Ranch. But people can go and stay there and kind of have a holiday, but they also can go and ride, um, they can do cowboy stuff, you know, they can sit around the fire, all of this. And so when I asked her, like, you know, what's, what's your business all about, she didn't say anything about what they actually do. She said, well, the, you know, the point of our business is, you know, if, if you come and stay with us, you can be someone else for a day. You know, and our message is come stay with us and you'll be a cowboy. And I thought, well, that's really powerful. That, that's a very, like, powerful way to describe your business as opposed to saying, like, you know, come and spend $500 a night and ride a horse around, you know. I mean, that's what they're really doing, but it's this whole, like, appeal to aspiration. It's appeal to, like, uh, maybe not so much escapism, but, like, you have this busy life. Come and do something fun. This will make you happy. This will help you, help you relax. And in many different ways, like, you know, all the businesses that I talk to and probably many of the ones that you work with, they, they do that, uh, you know, on their own as well. Yeah, and, and what I think is so powerful about that, too, is that a lot of times the person who – once that doesn't even know they want. And so by you sort of right, articulating right. that, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> that's what I want. I don't want a horse or I don't want to buy insurance. Right. That's always my favorite. I don't want to buy insurance. I mean, that's a piece of paper that does nothing for me. Right. But what I'm but getting. That, that, right, but that insurance creates security, you right, know, and, you know right. insurance relates to your family. Like, I mean, there's, there's so many things there. So the deeper you can get, you know, the better. I mean, another story, um, Jaden Hare, she has this website called Steamy Kitchen com, which is fabulously popular, and she does cookbooks, and she's on TV. And so, you know, in my opinion, what she's telling is not recipes. And I can go to her site and get recipes, and there's pictures of food and all that, but there's a much deeper connection. It's like, you know, she's telling the dream of more time with your family, you know, wholesome, good meals with your family. Your kids are going to love the food, and, like, the family is going to get closer together, you know, by sitting around the table. Um, so, you know, the more you can get close to those uh, those real emotional needs that all of us have, then, then the easier it is to be successful, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Another one of my favorite chapters, um, and because and someday I've, I'm going to go get a cabin in the woods somewhere um, and continue <laughs> to write books, um, is, is this idea of, you know, location has certainly changed, hasn't it? Right, right, yeah. Like, you know, location is overrated. Location, location, location is overrated. So talk about some of the businesses that are that are doing some things that, that, that really have been been literally <laughs> enabled right. by, by the the fact that we can now work virtually yeah um i talked to this guy who was originally from croatia and he actually emailed me and we did like a skype thing from thailand um and he had kind of taken off to do this and he he uh, created a uh, consultancy working with mostly with companies in north america i believe doing like spreadsheet work and database work you know, um, all these kind of things that sound somewhat boring, but, again, they're real needs. And, um, you know, just to kind of relate to the previous thing we were talking about, I, when I first hear spreadsheets, I'm like, oh, that bores me to tears. But the way he has kind of, you know, pitched his business was, you know, he's helping he, – he's basically helping his customers look good at work. You know, if people have to do all these different spreadsheet things, he helps them manage them and creates all these macros and make, basically makes their work, you know, easier and makes them look better. Um, and so he had been able to take this, you know, consultancy to Thailand. He talked about, um, you know, one, I forgot the amount. I think it was something like $1,000 or something. He said one day he did this job and he got paid $1,000 for it. And he talked about how in Croatia, like, that was like a very good monthly income, you know, um, but that there was, you know, something that he received for one day. So that was one story. 
Um, there's another guy named Brandon Pierce who was uh, from Utah, um, and he had a family and was working as an engineer. But he started a business called MusicTeachersHelper.com. I think that's it. If it's not that, it's something similar. But he started a business basically, you know, helping music teachers um, with their scheduling and their billing, all these things that most music teachers uh, are either not very good at or just don't want to deal with. Um, and that, he set that up under a continuity model, a very smart pricing structure. And uh, the last I heard, that business was 300000 to $400,000 a year. So he had moved his family first to Central America. They were in Guatemala, I think, for a year or two. And then now I think they're in Asia. So they're just kind of traveling the world. He's operating this business remotely. And there's, there's so many stories, you know, like that, so many stories of uh, possibility uh, when you set up the business in the right way. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, you have a couple, um, again, I think this might be a chapter or a whole section, but uh, where, where you talk about people that have done kind of spectacular launches, or, or you actually give some advice about this idea of launching uh, mm-hmm. your 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 business, uh, not necessarily a product or service. You want to talk about um, some some of the key points there? Yeah, um, probably the main number one key point, um, you know, for for launching anything, you know, whether it's any kind of product, service, book, whatever, is to create a story and to make it an event and. Um, you know, you should never just pop up one day and say, hey, I'm launching something. You know, here it is. Uh, I mean, you can do that, but your results will be much greater if um, you involve people from the beginning and, you know, tell them what, it, what what it's about and tell them what's coming and give them these teasers along the way. And so the original model for that um, doesn't come from the Internet at all. It comes from Hollywood. It comes from, uh, you know, Hollywood's producing these multi-multi-million-dollar movies uh, where so much investment has gone into it, and they want to make sure that movie is going to be successful. Um, so they spend, you know, a year in advance often. You know, the first trailer for the movie comes out a year in advance or at least a season in advance. And then you might see another trailer. And then there's all the type and the lead-up. And their whole goal is by the time that movie comes out, um, they're not relying on word of mouth at all. By the time the movie comes out, they want everybody, you know, planning on seeing that movie. And so, um, you know, most of our launches are not nearly that sophisticated. But the point is if you can create a story and create an event, um, then your results will be much greater. And I told a number of stories in the book. Uh, one, the short version of one of them is uh, I created a product called the Empire Building Kit, and I wasn't really sure how to do the launch. I felt like I had a good product, but I, I really didn't have a good strategy for the launch. And then, uh, long story short, I ended up taking the Empire Builder Amtrak train uh, from Chicago to Portland uh, with my good friend J.D. Roth, who writes the blog Get Rich Slowly. And he and I rode the Empire Builder train, and we did the launch, like, live from the train, you know, for 24 hours only, uh, and created this whole story around it. We took a video, lots of photos. And my favorite part of it was, uh, well, first of all, the launch did very well. We did $100,000 in one day and then repeated it a month later. But uh, my favorite part of the story was I got all these emails from people who said, you know, I don't even want to buy this product, but I just, I'm enjoying, like, the story. I'm enjoying, like, how things are going. I've told my friends about this, and I think, you know, you're trying to do something bigger with that, and that was indeed my goal. So the, you don't have, you don't necessarily have to ride an Amtrak train across the country for 44 hours, but um, however you can create a story and make it something bigger, then so much the better. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> attended a restaurant opening uh, last night, in fact, and uh, the, oh, yeah. wo- the the woman who um, started this business, it's a raw food uh, restaurant, and she. Mm-hmm. 
has spent about a year basically raising the money for it. It was a lot of what she was trying to do. So this is not a $100 launch store. But yeah. but she has been speaking and giving, you know, workshops and lectures, so all free, you know, all just to build community for about a year while it took her to get this restaurant going. And mm. basically sent out an email yesterday, and the place was – there was a line around the block to get into wow. this thing last night. And I thought, now that – you know, build a community and then launch uh, a, a business. Great. and. and and again, I mean, she's put her heart and soul into it for the last year, but still, uh, um, it was really kind of exciting to see from a marketing standpoint. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. And think yeah. about think about all the restaurants that that open and no one's there, you know, or they're actually like struggling to get people to come in. I mean, like that's that's so much uh, so much a better story. Yeah, it was very cool. So finish this sentence for me, Chris. <laughs> Advertising is like sex. Only the losers pay for it. <laughs> so I can't. Did, did, is that an original, or is that is that from no, something? I wish, okay, I okay. I, could, I thought I, 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 I heard that before. For it. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could take credit for it. It actually came from a fast company uh, magazine article a couple a couple of years ago, and I think it was actually something about in the future, you know, advertising will be like sex. Only the losers pay for it. Uh, but the point is, you know, a lot of a lot of what we think about advertising has changed, and. You know, a lot. I don't. I don't actually pay for much advertising in my business. Uh, I don't know if you do. And, and for some people, they some people it can be a good investment. It's fine. But I think the point is, um, the greatest marketing that can be done, um, you know, these days is free. And the greatest marketing, it, you know, comes from word of mouth, which you've written an entire you know systematic book about. Um, so I guess the whole point is, you know, when you're considering like how to bring customers to your business, I mean, you can think about advertising, but maybe also think about all these other ways. Absolutely. So, um, last point I want to finish up with is, is this, uh, I love this, this concept and that is franchise yourself. So the idea of you get something kind of going successfully, how do you, how do you multiply it? And, um, I, I wonder besides just the concept, did, were there some folks that you interviewed that, that really have kind of successfully scaled? Yeah. Um, the one that I like, um, one story from that chapter is Natalie Lucier who's from Quebec and, she was actually in the, the raw food industry, which you mentioned a minute ago. She, uh, she actually created this whole raw food teaching business, and you know, she had a personal story of how her life was changed, and she lost a lot of weight and got much much more healthy um, by following this diet. But she created this whole consultant consultancy thing, and she had products and services, and she did it very well. Um, but then after she'd done it for like a year, she was thinking, like, what, what else can I do with this? Like, I feel like I've already like explored this whole you know niche entirely. And she was also a self-described geek, and she like built everything herself. She did all the database work for her project, and she felt like nobody, nobody noticed that because you know they were just interested in the product, which is fine. Um, but so basically, what she did was she found a way to kind of keep that thing going on autopilot. Uh, she did lots of autoresponders, you know, lots of um, different systems that didn't require her to be there. So that business continues to operate um, at at least a fifty thousand dollar a year range. And then she started another consultancy where now she's actually doing tech consulting doing the gig stuff, the database stuff. Um, and so she basically has these two kind of these, these two lives and two, you know, sources of income and two businesses that are somewhat related, but um, a lot of people find her through one or the other and not realize, you know, that she's doing the other thing. And it's not so much like she's doing twice the amount of work. The whole point is she's, she's franchised herself, you know, to where she's done this. This project is there and it's existing and it's bringing in money, but she's focusing now on the consulting that she, you know, wants to do for a while. Yeah. Beautiful thing, that residual income, um, right, <laughs> as you know. So, so yep. Chris, uh, we have exhausted our time. Uh, I know you're getting ready to go on the road, and uh, people can find at uh, uh, chrisgillibo.com. But I, I'm guessing, I think you have a, 
I think you have a hundred dollar startup site also, don't you? Where you've got I the do, full yeah. schedule, since, yeah. Since uh, since nobody can spell chriskillable dot com, yeah, uh, they right. can also go to one hundred startup dot com and they can see the tour dates and all that stuff. Well, and and I must admit, I've not been able to attend one myself, um, but I know from watching, the, looking at the videos, that uh, your your tour dates or your tour stops are a lot of fun as well. Well, that's what we try to go for. I don't want it to be boring, you know. <laughs> well, this is the, the. I think what you've done is really a great thing because I think there's so many people that that have you know are either afraid to start something or feel like they you know their only model is is the you know the big sort of office uh, launch startup and I and I think that the the roadmap and the inspirational stories uh, certainly should launch a few businesses by themselves. Well, that's my greatest hope, and uh, thanks for having me on the on the program. I always appreciate right. being here. You bet. We'll see you out there on the road, Chris. Okay, take care. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast, or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.